Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate Team Mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi guys, welcome to the first episode. I'm so excited. As you all know, we're an Emotionally Broken Psycho spinoff. We're going to be commercial free thanks to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash ebpsychos. Go over there, give the $5. It's just $5 a month and you will get the Teen Mom podcast. Uh, Molly's given me free reign to discuss all things Teen Mom. That's not her show, but it is my specialty. I'm uh, beyond thrilled to bring this guy bring this to you and I just like can't wait to get into it. Uh, If you're new to Teen Mom and want to watch but don't want to sit through seven seasons because really who could blame you? Uh, I highly suggest viewing the recent In Case You Missed It special that MTV aired. I believe it's on demand and on their website. They did a pretty good job of running down all previous seasons. However, fair warning, it's narrated by Nessa, an MTV host, and it's literally the most obnoxious narration I've ever heard on any show in my entire life. Um, So you may want to watch some of it on mute or with closed captions. But yeah, uh, if you want to learn all about the show, all the girls of Teen Mom 2, uh, definitely, definitely, definitely tune into in case you missed it. So, we're back. I, for one, miss Team Mom 2 so fucking much. Uh, Team Mom 2 is just the ultimate, right? It's so much better than OG. OG is so boring. Um, It really doesn't have that dynamic cast. Not that much is going on in the girls' lives. But for whatever reason, Team Mom 2 is continuing to bring it. Season after season, Team Mom 2 is fucking bringing it. Uh, we catch back up with our favorite mommies, Kale, Janelle, Leah, and Chelsea. And I think the best way to do this podcast will be to go girl by girl as opposed to going scene by scene. Um, I think it'll make it a little more seamless, easier to follow along. And my goal is to really just give context as to what's going on. You know, MTV has this way of showing us uh, just like a snip here or there. You know, we're in court for Janelle, but what really happened? So I want to give you all of the background. I want to get into the tweets that Janelle deleted. I want to get into the police reports, the Instagram posts. I want to show um, the contrast because sometimes, you know, Janelle will do this amazing thing where <laughs> she'll post about how much she loves their life and how the day was so great. But on the show, it'll be a, just a complete mess. Um, So yeah, I want to show the contrast Be between social media and what's actually happening on the show. So bear with me, guys. You know, this is my first app. I have a brand new microphone to record on, and I'm definitely still learning. But so the season opens up with Kale. Uh, One thing that's surprising is her name is Kaylin, but she insists on going by Kale, K-A-I-L, but MTV still writes Kaylin, and I'm surprised by that. So we open right away with some sad music. Um, Kale's in the middle of divorcing Javi, blah, blah, blah. She's so sad. Right off the bat, though, the reunion is mentioned. And I am hyped because this means the fourth wall is broken. On Team Mom 2, they've never mentioned the reunions before because that'd be acknowledging they're filming a reality show. So, uh, Kale, you know, starts in her depressing narration She's a very depressing person. Um, even when she's happy, Kale's pretty sad. Kale is a classic adult child of an alcoholic. You know, she never had a dad growing up. The only mom she had is an alcoholic, uh, affectionately called online Smirnoff Susie. She's very, very sad, and it, it definitely shows. Kale's one of those people who, even in, like, the happiest moments, still seems pretty sad on the inside. Um... So Kale decide our first scene with Kale is her deciding that she is going to go skydiving. This classic reality TV thing, right? Where maybe nothing really is going on. She doesn't really have anything to do. So let's go skydiving. Um, the thing that I thought was really interesting in this scene is that Kale mentions 
Some girls get haircuts when they're depressed. I jump out of a plane. Record scratch. Uh, Kale, what the fuck are you talking about? So not acknowledged on Team Mom 2 or anywhere on MTV is the fact that about three months before this was shot, Kale got extensive plastic surgery. How do we know she got this plastic surgery? Because she put it on fucking Dr. Miami's Snapchat. Do you guys know who Dr. Miami is? I did not know beforehand, but Dr. Miami is a like a plastic surgeon to the stars. Um, obviously, he practices in Miami, hence the name. And he gets these people to agree to uh, discounted surgeries and literally puts the entire surgery on Snapchat. So we saw Kale get a tummy tuck, a Brazilian butt lift, which looks ridiculous now that's healed, in my opinion. Uh, it actually just makes her look bigger, which is crazy because she got, as well, lipo in her arms and her chin. Um, so it's, like, crazy that she got a plastic surgery that makes her look bigger. Not to mention uh, all the Kardashians are reducing their asses, so the big butt look is going out. But, yeah, so it's, like, you know, kind of classic teen mom, right? Uh, Kill is saying, like, some girls get their haircuts, but I jump out of a plane. Uh, no, Kale, what you do is you go and get extensive plastic surgery and allowed to be broadcast on Snapchat. I personally didn't watch them because surgery stuff flips me out. But, like, we saw her tits. We saw her ass. Um, we saw everything on Snapchat. And it's just never been acknowledged. So the focus of this episode, and, of course, I think the whole season for Kalen, is going to be that her and Javi are getting a divorce. Um, there has been a lot of back and forth about this online and about what actually happened. Javi is claiming that, you know, he went on deployment. He knew that she had filed divorce, but then she told him that it was canceled and they were going to work it out. Um, he gave interviews to Radar when he got back from his deployment and claimed this. Kale says that he always knew that it wasn't going to work out, um, and that she was really only talking to him for the kids. So it's I think it's probably somewhere in the middle. But, you know, last season he went on his deployment and they threw a huge goodbye party. They talked about how much they were going to miss each other, how they love each other, blah, 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 blah. But really, Kale had already filed for divorce. Um, this is some classic MTV reality show in general, general uh, like trickery. Right? A couple's fucking getting a divorce, but on the TV, they're having a going away party. So we see little, uh, who's not a baby anymore, but Isaac, who is just like the sweetest and most sensitive kid. Um, he's like laughing about Kale jumping out of an airplane and, uh, it's just, he's just so nice and so sweet. And, uh, Kalen's other son is there, Lincoln. Don't forget, Isaac is her son with Joe. Lincoln is her son with Javi. However, it can get a little confusing if you're a new viewer because Isaac calls Javi his dad. Um, This has been extremely, extremely controversial. Uh, The whole time that he's been doing this, the fans feel like it shouldn't happen because Isaac's dad is very involved in his life. Uh, Joe started out really shitty, but he's very, very much grown up, and Isaac sees his dad very often, so the fans are like, Kale, why do you let Isaac call Javi dad? But Isaac, or excuse me, but Javi and Kale have maintained that it was Isaac's decision. Joe has said he's okay with it, but I think that's um, just him, you know, agreeing not to start drama. He doesn't see it as that big of a deal, so why flip out? Anyway, Kale's friend Gigi shows up. I will say, Kale's always had a lot of friends. This is pretty unique in the Team Mom world, especially like in Team Mom in the in the first series and OG. Uh, really, only Macy has friends in Team Mom Two. They have a few. A few more of the girls have friends, but Kale's had the same friends for a really long time, including Gigi. She shows up. She looks beautiful. Um, they look at Kale's dog. She has a new dog. Uh, they talk about the reunion. Now, here's a fun fact about the reunion that's not being discussed. Kale brought a guy to the reunion with her. It was never really discovered if it was her friend or, you know, somebody she was sleeping with. But they just, they don't discuss this at all. But this is when, like, you know, rumors are rampant that they're getting divorced. And all of a sudden, like, there's a guy in the background of her Instagram pictures and Snapchats. And 
you know, of course, it's it's just not acknowledged. Um, Gigi and Kale talk about how even Joe is noticing that Kale's so much better when Javi's not around. And that's pretty significant because Joe and Kale obviously have a long history and they've just recently started getting along for the first time ever. Um, and when they were getting along last season, Javi had a big problem with it because of jealousy or, in my opinion, <laughs> I think... Kale wanted Javi to hate Joe for a very long time. And then when she was ready to not hate Joe anymore, he was like, what the fuck? I still don't like him. And Kale had a problem with that. Uh, I did notice that the boys, Lincoln and Isaac, were very close to Kale and Gigi while they discussed Javi and their relationship problems. Uh, Kale also mentions that at the reunion, Dr. Drew advised her to stay with Javi for Isaac's sake, which is like fucked up. Like, fuck Dr. Drew. He also did this in the past on Team Mom OG with Macy and Ryan, but, like, fuck you, Dr. Drew. Don't stay with someone for your kids. It's a shitty reason to stay together. Um, look, Kale moved too fast with Javi. You know, they were married after how long? She had him living with her son after how long? Kale moved too fast, and Isaac is going to suffer for that. But Isaac will suffer more if she has to stay with him just for his sake. Um, Isaac is so sensitive and so sweet. She can, he will know if Javi and Kale aren't getting along and they're only staying together for him. That's just really uh, emotionally smart kid, I think. It's, I would say probably the most emotionally smart out of uh, all of the Team Mom 2 kids. He, he's just like an empath. He's very aware and I don't think he would want Kale to stay with Javi. I don't think anybody wants Kale to stay with Javi if they're not happy. For Isaac's sake, you know, I really hope Kale's learned her lesson because it's her kids that are going to suffer the most in this. Um, we finally Javi uh, FaceTimes, but surprise, it's not with Kale. It's with like some random friends of his. MTV is like really... <laughs> going the distance in uh, allowing us to see Javi's side. As I said, Javi's deployed. He's at a military base in Qatar. Qatar. How do you pronounce that place? Q-A-T-A-R. Apparently, he's at a beautiful base. He was able to have internet and cell phone the whole time. Um, he was constantly Snapchatting and Instagramming and FaceTiming. I'm not diminishing his deployment, but he wasn't in an active war zone. But don't get me wrong, he was still, you know, at war. He was still deployed for six months, but he wasn't in Iraq, uh, like, facing off with terrorists. Well, that's not really happened, but let's not get into a geopolitical debate. But he wasn't in an active war zone. And, you know, Javi tells his friend that him and Kayla are in a bad place, that he thinks about it every day. Like, yeah, dude, I'd hope so. And that their relationship has really hit a rock bottom since uh, his deployment, which is sad, you know, but they don't talk about in this episode the fact that Kale had a miscarriage last season and that Javi apparently blamed her for it, which was really the catalyst to the divorce. It was the final straw in a relationship that wasn't working. And I do think it's interesting that it wasn't brought up at all. So our last and final scene with Kale is that the whole family's together. And by the whole family, I mean Joe, his girlfriend, V, their beautiful little baby, Vivi, Vivi, I think her name is Vivi, uh, and Kale, Lincoln, and then Isaac, the kindergarten graduate. It's like extremely cute, but they're at this restaurant afterwards and Isaac starts crying and just misbehaving. So Kale, and I was actually pretty impressed with this parent-wise, puts up a menu as to not embarrass him and, you know, quietly says, you're not, you're not behaving correctly. And Isaac cries, I miss dad. I want my dad. And Kale says, your dad's right here because Joe's sitting across the table. And Isaac says, no, my other dad. Guys, my heart fucking shattered. It shattered. That was so, so sad. Um, Like I said, Isaac's going to be the one that suffers in this. It was just, uh, it was just upsetting. Uh, but ha Javi FaceTimes in, Isaac's all happy. And it's just a reminder of why you don't rush marriage when there are kids. So that's our week with Kale. You know, it was pretty boring, but uh, she's already tweeting that we won't see the whole side of everything. So I think this is going to be a bad 
season for Kale. There are crazy cheating rumors. Um, Javi oppo- or accuses Kale of fucking other guys on camera in the upcoming episodes. So I think they were kind of just easing us on in playing catch up and just reminding us where uh, Kale and Javi are this season. So up next, we go to South Dakota. That's not how people in South Dakota talk. By the way, in case you're wondering, my phone's ringing. It's my ex-boyfriend from jail because he won't stop calling me from jail because that's where my life is today. Hope you guys have such a wonderful ex-boyfriend as well. (laughs) Um, Okay, so next up, we're in South Dakota with Chelsea. Uh, It starts out with her talking about Adam, and she's not sure if he's still filming, which I'm like, how do you not know if he's still filming? The producers not tell you? If he's still filming, and but I guess she doesn't, and I guess they do that because uh, Adam made a big stink at the reunion that he wasn't going to film anymore. Now, this is where it gets juicy. Right before the reunion, Adam leaked how much fucking money he makes. You guys want to know how much Adam, the dad, is making? $250,000 this season. Let's, let's let that sink in. $250,000. That is a shit ton of money. And apparently all of the original dads, which means um, Joe and Corey, and I believe Barbara, Janelle's mom, is also getting this rate, are making $250,000 a season. Holy shit. You know, the second dads like Javi, Jeremy, Nate, I guess now David, aren't making as much, but they're still doing pretty well. And the moms are making more. Uh, this was all confirmed by a source called The Ashley. If you guys don't read The Ashley's Reality Roundup, she is the patron saint of Teen Mom Gossip. Uh, she confirms everything she posts with production sources or, uh, like, she has, like, with Leah's family, I'm pretty sure she just calls them. She has them on speed dial. If it's a rumor, she makes it really clear that it's just a rumor and doesn't, I believe, has only had to retract, like, three things that she confirmed. But, yeah, she said Adam's definitely making $250,000 a season. And Chelsea's probably making around two eighty-five dollars to $300,000. Chelsea and all the other girls. And now that's without their Instagram Fit T ads. So this is a shit ton of money. So that was, like, the most exciting thing to come out of the reunion last year. Adam's little temper tantrums that he was throwing online about it. But, uh, so right away we go back, we go to Adam's house. And Adam is refusing to come out. And let the producers film. He's being just a fucking asshole. He's being an asshole. Uh, Finally, he lets the producers in and they're talking. And we see Aubrey and her little sister Paisley are here. Uh, This is Adam's daughter with his ex-girlfriend Taylor. Don't forget this will be Adam's only other child because he got a vasectomy. The one smart move any teen dad has ever done was get a vasectomy after he had his second unwanted child. Uh, They're here, they're playing, they're being super cute, and Adam is bitching to the producers. Now we get somewhere interesting. So last season, I would say the worst moment for Adam, and as everybody knows, Adam has been an asshole since 16 and pregnant. He's emotionally abusive, he is an absentee father, he never paid child support, he's a bad person. Adam is a straight up bad, bad person. Um, I'm never going to defend Adam on here, but... Here's my thing with all the team mom characters, because that's what they are to us, right, characters, is that I think it's important to objectively look at this. Just because Adam is a terrible father and terrible human doesn't mean he's always in the wrong. And just because Chelsea is a good mom and, like, a decent human, I guess, like, doesn't mean she's always in the right. The team mom fandom is terrible about this. Everybody is good or bad, black or white. You know, there's no in-between, but I pride myself on looking in-between. I think it makes for way more interesting discussion. It makes for a way more interesting show. And this is a good case of it. So Adam gets on the producer's case. How come you filmed last year when I didn't show up to the father-daughter dance, but you didn't show when I went to her school movie night a couple weeks later? The producers say, well, Chelsea let us know about the father-daughter dance and didn't let us know about the movie night. And he says, yeah, why do you think that is? And that made me think, huh, huh. 
Is Adam in the wrong about not showing up for the father-daughter dance? Absolutely, 100%. Adam should have been there. Chelsea let him know about it. But I do find it interesting that Chelsea let the producers know about an event that she was 99% sure Adam would not be showing up to and Cole would have to step in for. I find that very, very interesting. Um, Chelsea has always been obsessed with a perfect family, and now that she is Cole, you can tell Adam is beyond an inconvenience for her. You know, and like rightfully so, he's a terrible person, but the fact is that is Aubrey's dad. And a part of me, the cynical part of me, which is really what, 99% of me is the cynical part of me, thinks that Chelsea does that on purpose. Uh, She knew Adam wasn't going to show up for this father-daughter dance because he was being very non-responsive. So she lets the producers know, hey, Aubrey is a father-daughter dance. Why don't you come film her getting ready? Surprise, Adam doesn't show up. Cole steps in. He saves the day. The internet goes wild. Cole's her real dad. Cole's her real dad. Cole should adopt Aubrey. Fuck Adam. Fuck Adam. But then they don't film And she doesn't let them know about the movie night that Adam takes her to. And like, yeah, of course Adam should let MTV know. It's not Chelsea's job to let MTV know. But I do find it kind of suspicious, I guess, that she lets them know about events she knows he will not be there for and doesn't let them know about events that he will show up for. Um, You know, Online, I joke that Chelsea is called St. Chelsea. She can do no wrong in the eyes of the fans. Chelsea is, compared to the other Team Mom 2 moms, like, above and beyond. You know, she loves Aubrey. She cares about Aubrey. But Chelsea does do bad things. Chelsea is not perfect. And she can be manipulative. And I can see her being a person, you know, that's playing MTV a little bit. Uh, so, you know, when we come back to Chelsea, she's talking about the wedding with Cole and Aubrey. It is cute to watch them all interact. Uh, I don't think Cole has much depth to him, but I don't think Chelsea does either. I imagine they just, like, squeak at each other in private. Like, a lot of it is just them going, I love you! I love you! Like, doing that back and forth to each other all day long. But you know what? Like, if that works for them, who am I to criticize? Except me, and I criticize everything. But I I do think their relationship works, and I do think their relationship is genuine. However, I don't believe for one fucking second that Chelsea and Adam met at a fucking gas station, and then, or excuse me, that Chelsea and Cole met at a gas station, and then Cole friended her on Facebook, and she added, no, 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 no. I think they met online on a dating site. Uh, But you know what? If they want to lie about it, they can lie about it. Uh, Chelsea's friend, Chelsea Grace, comes over. Her face is fucked up. Uh, she's lost weight, and that looks great. Props to her. But Randy has been doing Botox on Chelsea and Chelsea's friends, and I think she went a little heavy on the Botox and maybe the fillers, uh, pre-filming. But you know what? What reality TV star hasn't been there? Oh, and my theory on Chelsea Grace, I have this feeling that she might be, uh, Chelsea's assistant and gets like paid to be Chelsea's assistant but they don't talk about that which I'm not hating on I think they are genuine friends but I think that would make sense don't you that Chelsea Grace is always there because she's Chelsea's assistant uh they are talking about Adam if and if he's gonna film and Chelsea goes there's no way basically says there's no way he's not gonna film uh which is obviously talking about money And it is interesting that they've broken the fourth wall, but they're still not acknowledging money. Uh, They do the same thing on OG. They're just not acknowledging how much money she makes or he makes. Uh, Chelsea and her friends are so fucking annoying, guys. They all do Chelsea's baby voice. They all wear the same clothes. A bee comes out and, ah, bee's here, ah! Like, that's how they talk. It's, I would never want to be friends with them, basically. Uh, I just wouldn't. They annoy the shit out of me. Chelsea's baby voice makes me want to rip my ears off my head. It's one fucking whine and I cannot stand it. I cannot stand it. When I used to talk like that as a kid, my mom would say, stop doing a baby voice. It's obnoxious. And I can just hear my mom's voice in my head every time Chelsea speaks. Um, They're going to have a girl's day. Chelsea and Aubrey and Chelsea's friends and they're going to go pick out... Uh, 
well, not pick out. She already ordered it, but go get a fitting for the dress Aubrey's going to wear to Chelsea's wedding. It's a cute scene. Chelsea's mom is there saying, imagine when you'll be a bride, Aubrey, and Chelsea doesn't like it. Chelsea's always very snippy with her mom. (laughs) The internet has taken this to mean that Chelsea's mom probably had an affair, and that's why Chelsea hates her and for breaking up her and Randy's marriage. But, like, we don't fucking know that. Maybe Chelsea's just a bitch. Maybe Chelsea just doesn't like her mom. I know I can be really snippy with my mom because that's just how we are. Uh, And my mom didn't do anything to break up a marriage. But it's it's a cute scene. Aubrey's really excited. Her dress is lace, which is like Chelsea's, which, by the way, go look at pictures of Chelsea's wedding dress. It's so ugly. I hated it. I hated her hair. I hated her makeup. I hated her dress. I believe you can even go on my Twitter and scroll down 9,000 tweets at this point and uh, find out what I propose as alternatives to her hair, dress, and makeup. She just missed the mark. Honestly, like, isn't Chelsea an esthetician? Why is she so bad at makeup? It's always too heavy. She can never figure out her spray tan. Girl, fix it and get rid of those extensions. She would look so nice with a long uh, long bob of, what are they called, a lob? Like, she's very pretty. And she lost all that weight, which I'm, like, so proud of her for still. You can tell she, like, has so much more self-esteem. But that girl cannot do her hair and makeup to save her goddamn life. Um, so they're all at lunch afterwards, and the producers are asking Chelsea about filming her wedding. Now, Chelsea has decided not to film her wedding They didn't film her proposal. Uh, She's not going to film, like, any of the baby stuff. Oh, right. Spoiler alert. Chelsea's pregnant. But she's not pregnant yet in this episode. Uh, She says that they're not going to film her shopping for a wedding dress. And, you know, when she was younger, she was cool with MTV filming everything. But now she appreciates privacy. Okay. So this, for me, is controversial. On one hand, it's like, yeah, okay, I get that. Like, you you want privacy. Who who doesn't want privacy? Uh, Cole supposedly doesn't love filming. But on the other hand, you're a fucking reality TV star. This is your goddamn job. That would be like me, who, by the way, I'm a receptionist, being like, I just don't like answering the phone anymore. You know, I'll do like, I'll type for you and I'll, I'll do some emails for you. But like, I'm just not going to answer the phone. No, that's the main part of my fucking job is answering the phone. Just like the main part of her job is filming her wedding and her wedding dress shopping and her baby shower. Um, it just seems hypocritical. You know, she wants the two hundred and eighty-five to $300,000 for being on the show. She wants to be able to sell all the shit she sells on Instagram. She, by the way, I believe has the most followers of all the team moms. I think she's at like 2.5 million and her pictures get an insane amount of likes. Um, So most of them are probably real followers. She's making a lot of money on Instagram ads. So it's like you want to be able to make money selling your fucking fit team waist trainers, which, by the way, fuck any reality star that has a teen girl following that sells fit tease and waist trainers that shit is unhealthy and it's a bad image stick with Campbell's soup and gummy vitamins for your hair but please don't push unsafe diet stuff back to my point you know Chelsea wants all the benefits without having to give any of herself and that fucking bothers me it bothers me I don't like it uh I don't like that MTV's agreeing to it but they have to because here's the thing about Chelsea She's our normal. She's our baseline. She is good. Uh, Without Chelsea, everybody else would look like, well, no, that doesn't make sense. (laughs) Everybody else looks like shit. Chelsea is the one that people love. Chelsea's the fan favorite. Chelsea and Cole are hashtag goals. Um, MTV needs that or else the show goes so far to the left that it can't be pulled back. Um, Chelsea is the one that Like, is the redemption story. And that's really important to a show like Teen Mom. On Teen Mom OMG, that's Macy. You know, um, these boring, okay girls who are okay mothers, who are okay daughters, who are okay wives, look amazing on these shows because the other three are such fucking messes. So 
MTV is going to allow Chelsea to do things like not film her wedding, not film wedding dress shopping, and really dictate uh, how her production schedule goes because they need her. She needs MTV, but they need her too. Uh, And also, I have this theory. Well, I didn't come up with it. Someone on Reddit came up with it. Shout out to the Reddit team mom page. I'm extremely active. You either love me or you hate me there. But uh, shout out to it. And Chelsea probably treats her producers well. You know, she shows up when she's supposed to. She answers the door. She's ready and willing and able. And so they give her more leeway. So that about wraps it up for Chelsea this week. You know, I I thought her segment was pretty interesting, especially the Adam stuff and Adam saying that he feels like Chelsea manipulates the filming. Well, he didn't say it like that, but, you know, I'm just so smart I could, uh, what is it? Deduce it? Deduct it? I think it's, I don't know. Infer it? I am not that smart. But I could figure out what he was trying to say. And, guys, I don't know. I just think it's bullshit that she doesn't have to film her stuff. Next up, we get to my favorite, Janelle Lauren Evans. Uh, When I was writing my notes, I wrote her name in all caps. I wrote my first note is, yes, girl, I missed you. I love Janelle. I love her. I can't help it. Like, the whole reason I really care about Teen Mom is because of Janelle. I started watching 16 and Pregnant when it first came on the air. I've watched most episodes I obviously have been watching Team Mom and Team Mom 2 since it came on the air, but Janelle Evans is why I am this deep dive obsessive. Uh, one night when I was on a lot of Adderall, side note, I'm now sober and in recovery, but I used to take a lot of Adderall and stay up all night, I discovered Janelle Evans' Facebook page. Let me set the scene for you. This is Janelle Evans' official fan page. She had gotten to a fight with then-roommate Amber. So what did she post on her official fan page? Oh, you know, just the date and time of Amber's upcoming abortion. I saw that. It's three in the morning. I thought, holy shit. Holy shit. I need to go deeper. (laughs) Like, I could not believe it. I was like, this girl has no self-awareness and I love this. This must have been... It was in 2011, I believe, so probably in between seasons like two and three, or maybe even one and two. She was still with Kiefer. This is like olden days. Um, I loved it. So right away, I hop on Twitter, which I did not have yet, and see, oh, she tweets as well. And boy, does she tweet bullshit. Janelle is the person to follow. If you want teen mom internet drama follow fucking Janelle. Follow her on Instagram, follow her on Snapchat, especially follow her on Twitter. Janelle does this thing where she tweets and deletes, which is amazing because her incessive haters, haters, I fucking hate that word, but that's really what they are in Janelle's case. And I absolutely fall into that camp. Uh, screenshot every single thing she posts so she can never really delete anything it's always on the internet she does it like every single morning it's amazing so right away Janelle is with her new boyfriend David who by the way just in case you guys were thinking that David is a good guy let me spoil that for you okay David has a long history of domestic violence David is not allowed to see his son because he and the The son's mother got into a fight while she was pregnant. Well, multiple fights. One, he uh, kicked her out of the moving... Well, I guess it wasn't moving. He kicked her out of the car and made her walk like miles, which I believe induced labor. Uh, And he strangled her. There is an active restraining order in place. He actually was recently found guilty of violating the restraining order because he saw the son in the grocery store and, like, hugged the son, which you're not allowed to fucking do. But he's appealing it. Uh, But he is facing 60 days in jail and could be going to jail within the next couple weeks, months. He at one point was in jail awaiting trial for this domestic violence, which, by the way, he was found non-guilty for. Uh, The restraining order is a civil matter. 
not a criminal matter. Apparently, the baby mother stopped cooperating, which is, you know, something that happens. They get the restraining order, and they just don't want to keep going through with the criminal process. Um, and why he was in jail? He was on the same cell block as Cortland, Janelle's ex-husband. Ah, I love Janelle. That's just... That's just dandy. So yeah, David is not a good guy. He has an extensive history of violence against women. Um, I'm actually kind of terrified because Janelle has always been the girl who cries wolf. You know, like has had every boyfriend arrested for has had every boyfriend arrested for domestic violence, even the ones that probably didn't hit her, um, or she started the fight. But. So David is there, and according to Janelle's voiceover, David's getting used to the cameras. Bullshit. David has loved the cameras from day one. David had a check mark on his Facebook and his Twitter, like from the moment he first appeared on Teen Mom. David loves the spotlight. He has a public Snapchat. David loves Teen Mom. So we see, we get a little cut of Jason Barbara. That's basically all we see of them in this episode. As you guys know, Janelle's oldest son, Jace, lives with her mom, Barbara. Uh, we see baby Kaiser, who is Janelle's son with Nathan and like the cutest fucking kid. <laughs> He's just so cute. He's Nathan's carbon copy. It's like really creepy. But right away, right away, we go into Janelle's upcoming trial. What a fucking treat. What a treat for us that the first episode of Teen Mom 2 is Janelle in trial for a uh, assault on her ex-boyfriend's new girlfriend, Jessica. So she right away, Janelle is in full victim mode. The one thing you need to know about Janelle is nothing is ever her fault. It's always somebody else's fault. Poor me, poor me, poor me. Janelle is like, the biggest victim I've ever seen in my entire life. And I know this because when I was an active addict, I was always the victim. So I can really recognize it in Janelle. Uh, She's calling Jessica a fucking bitch. She wants to send a mother to jail. Why is she doing this? Why is she doing this? This was the season, uh, or this was the storyline that's continuing from last season. Last season, they tried to get the, uh, the assault case dropped, her and her lawyer, by offering Nate more custody, but they didn't go through with it. Uh, Jessica's been really adamant that she wants to stick with these charges. So what happened, right? What happened? So basically, I'm going to tell you what happened, including reading the police report. Basically, what happened was Janelle and Nate had broken up. He was already with his new girlfriend, Jessica. Janelle does not like to be broken up with, guys. She doesn't like it. It's It's not her favorite look. So she texts Nate, come get all your shit. Fuck you. I'm putting it outside. I'm not going to be home. Come get it. So Nate comes and brings Jessica, which, you know, should he have done? Like, no, he should not have brought Jessica to the house. But the fact is, Janelle did tell him that she would not be there. I think he would have brought her even if he he thought she would be there. But the fact is, the texts, which, of course, have been released and we have seen, is Janelle saying, like, just come and get your shit. I won't be here. So I want to read to you the police report, which is on Raider Online, you know, my paper of record. It tells us everything that happens. On 8-20-2015, I responded to an assault complaint at the address listed above. I was first to arrive on scene while two police officers arrived a short time later. The witnesses, Arrestee's ex-boyfriend, the witness, excuse me, Arrestee's ex-boyfriend was parked in the vehicle along the roadway in front of the residence. The witness explained that he had received a text message from the Arrestee about him picking up some of his belongings. The witness stated that he used to live at the residence with the Arrestee, but moved out several months ago. I did observe the text message in which the Arrestee stated the witness to pick up his boots, desk, and other items, and they would be left on the curbside. The witness stated that while he was loading up his property into the bed of his truck, he looked up and observed the arrestee throw something through the front passenger window at the victim's head. (laughs) Sorry, it's just so ridiculous, guys. This object was later discovered to be a glass mason jar. The witnesses stated that the victim then began screaming in pain and the arrestee ran back into the residence without saying a word. The victim stated that she was sitting in the front passenger seat of the pickup looking at her phone, when all of a sudden, the suspect was standing next to her, throwing a glass mason jar filled with water at her. 
The victim stated that the glass jar struck the right side of her head and shattered. The victim stated that she was in shock and the arrestee just ran back inside without saying anything. I did feel a large lump on the side of the victim's head. EMS declined, was declined after I offered to call them. I observed water inside the truck along with glass pieces along the right, fra- the right front passenger seat floorboard and outside on the ground just below the right front passenger door. Voluntary statements were written and attached to this case along with photographs. The arrestee stated that she walked outside and the victim got out of the truck. The arrestee claimed that she was in fear, so she threw water at the victim. Guys, this is the piece de resistance. Pay attention. And the jar slipped from her hand. (laughs) The arrestee stated that the victim caught the jar and threw it back at the arrestee, striking her back and then broke. This would have made the broken glass somewhere farther in the driveway. I looked and did not observe any redness or other injury to the arrestee's back. The arrestee was arrested and issued ticket, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so did you guys follow? Basically, what happened was that Nate and Jess pull up. Jess is sitting in the car with the window down. <laughs> Janelle runs out of her house holding a mason jar and throws it at Jessica's head. Uh... This is basically corroborated by the physical evidence. The glasses inside the car and on the right side of the door. Uh, The water is inside the car. That's what happened, right? So Janelle claims, Janelle claims that Jessica was getting out. Well, here's the tricky part. Janelle changes her story about this like every day. Just today she changed her story actually on Twitter and then deleted it, of course. But... Janelle claims that Jessica was getting out of the car and screaming at her, and Janelle was very scared, so she went to throw water on Jess, and the mason jar slipped out of her hand and hit Jess, and Jess picked it back up and threw it back at Janelle. Uh, The police said that couldn't have happened, though, because the glass jar would have been somewhere else. So, yeah, so what we see today is the trial, uh... Janelle is on her way to court and telling David she wants to get a restraining order on Jessica so that she can't pull charges on me for no reason. <laughs> Which is like, Janelle, first of all, you can't just get restraining orders on people. Uh, you can't just like roll up and get restraining orders on whoever you want to get restraining orders on. Uh, and second of all, like, fucking relax. You're the You're not the victim here. But, as I said, Janelle is always the victim, and this is unfair. She's crying about how it could affect her career. Excuse me. Had a little burp. So, our Janelle went and got a certificate in being a medical assistant. That's great. I'm actually legitimately proud of her for that. Uh, She finally did something, right? But here's the thing. Janelle has been arrested, I believe it's at 19 times. Every single one of her mugshots is online. In fact, you can find beautiful collages of all the mugshots and heavy details of every single arrest, which include arrests for heroin charges. But Janelle's the Teflon Don. Nothing sticks to her. She has no, I believe only one conviction and that's been expunged because she finished uh, her probation period. Janelle never actually gets in trouble beyond the arrest. So in her crazy mind, I think she really believes this. I think she believes that (laughs) because it's not on her criminal record, like that she won't have any problem getting a job. And I guess doesn't realize that like a doctor's office, if she wanted to work there, could fucking Google her. She's crazy. She has this obsession that if she gets convicted of this, she won't be able to get a job. Janelle, hun, you're not going to be able to get a job because of Google. It doesn't matter if you weren't convicted of anything. You were fucking arrested multiple times for drug and violence, babe. You're not, you're not getting a job in the medical field. You're just not. It's just never going to happen for you. Uh, uh, Janelle also claims that Nathan asked Jess to drop the charges, which I don't believe. Uh, he might have told her that, but I think the only reason Jess went through with the charges was because of Nate. Uh, we get to see everybody's amazing 
court outfits. Janelle's wearing a suit. Very proud of her. She's learned proper court attire. Do yourself a favor and Google Janelle Evans court to see some of her beautiful outfits. David looks like he's like going to a movie premiere. His shirt's a little unbuttoned. Uh, He like (laughs) looks like sporty casual. I don't know. It's very weird. Guys, let's talk about Jessica. Let's talk about what the fuck is going on with Jessica's wig. Did that bitch go to the Halloween store and buy a wig for court? What the fuck, guys? Why? Why is her hair like that? Jessica's a hairdresser. I've never seen a wig with split ends. I I don't understand. Also, like, not to be mean, Jessica's only 29, but she looks 42. I think it's the fake tanning and maybe, like, all the exercise stuff she does. But, like, it, it's not cute on her face. Nate is wearing a little man bun. He's got a white shirt and tie on. He looks fucking crazy. Um, and we're in the court and I am thrilled. I'm thrilled, guys. Like, Janella Court is everything I always want. Um, so, <laughs> here's the thing. I was wildly confused as to why a police officer was prosecuting this case. Um, just so you guys know, my college degree is in criminal justice. I worked in the field a little bit as a victim's advocate, and I've never seen a police officer prosecute anything. It, it made no sense to me. So, you know, as I said, I'm active on the Teen, Ro- Teen Mom subreddit, and I made a post that said, why the fuck is a police officer prosecuting Janelle's case instead of an assistant district attorney? Uh, I Googled, I really couldn't find anything on Google, and I'm pretty good at Googling if I do say so myself. So, one of the girls on the on the subreddit knows a lawyer in Horry County, which is where Myrtle Beach is, which is where this case was going on. And she's like, oh, let me ask my attorney friend who practices in Myrtle Beach. Let me see if she has an answer. Turns out this attorney friend knows Janelle's lawyer, Amy, sent Janelle lawyer, Janelle's lawyer the fucking link, and Janelle's lawyer commented on my post. Guys, this was a proud moment for me, if I do say so myself. Like, really, what could ever top it? I could have Janelle herself sit on my bed, and it still wouldn't be as great. So here's attorney Amy's explanation on why a police officer was prosecuting this case. Hey, y'all, this is attorney Amy Lawrence. I've had a ton of friends message, email, and text me about this thread. I've never been on Reddit, but wanted to answer this burning question. Horry County is a pretty small community when it comes to full-time residents, but the influx of tourists can bring an extra million-plus people at any time. Our solicitors, that's what we call prosecutors in South Carolina, office is slammed with the average prosecutor handling between 400 to 600 cases at any time. Because of the influx of people and the increased crime, it's not—it's just not possible for the solicitor's office to handle every case. So it was decided, I'm not entirely sure by who, that the solicitor's office in Horry County would only prosecute DUI, DUAC, and CDV. I believe those are domestic violence. And the arresting officers would prosecute their own cases for all of their misdemeanor cr- charges and traffic offenses. While I don't practice law outside of South Carolina, it's my understanding that this is not an uncommon practice in other jurisdictions. So, according to Amy, like, guys, that's brilliant. I mean, (laughs) pat on the back for me. Actually, pat on the back for the girl in the sub that got her to comment. But basically, this uh, case is being prosecuted by a police officer because it's a misdemeanor that was not domestic violence or DUI. So right off the bat, we get Jessica on the stand, and Jessica comes off terribly, right? I was wondering how the fuck, which, spoiler alert, we already knew Janelle was getting a not guilty, right? So I was, like, super interested to see this. Like, how did Janelle get off? This is a jury trial. I mean, from the police report, it's pretty clear what happened, right? Um, So I'm wondering, how the fuck did Janelle get off? Well, friends, here's how Janelle got off. Jessica, on the goddamn witness stand, (laughs) admitted she was only pursuing charges to help Nathan in his custody case. Girl! Girl! What are you doing? Look, I understand you can't lie under oath, but if Janelle's lawyer says, are you doing this for custody because of the ongoing custody case, what you're supposed to say is, 
While I believe this may have an effect on the custody case, I'm pursuing charges because I was assaulted. Jessica comes off awful. She comes off vengeful, and she comes off deceitful, and she comes off as a liar. Um, It looks like she has a motive, and there's nothing a jury hates more than when somebody has a motive. Uh, That's what juries, in my experience, from sitting in courtrooms are always looking for, is that the victim has a motive. Um, It just... She just came off so poorly. She came off so poorly. Janelle's lawyer really, (laughs) old Amy really got her to admit that she basically was only doing this because of Nathan and Nathan's custody case. It was pretty remarkable to see. Um, You know, I saw some people, oh, so custody is supposed to negate that Jessica was assaulted? No, that's not how it works. How it works is that Jessica made herself look bad. And when the jury thinks you look bad, they don't believe you and they don't believe the other accounts. Um, I guess the pro- the prosecutor, I'm using that word in quotes because it was a police officer, also just didn't do a good job of laying out the evidence. So next we see um, Nate get on the stand. Nate, in my opinion, was drunk. Nate is an active alcoholic. He has three DUIs plus a fourth one he got on a military base. It's rumored he only had supervised visits with his older daughter because he was caught driving drunk with her. Uh, Nate's an alcoholic. Nate is drunken. 99% of the scenes he films for Teen Mom. He also comes off as terrible on the stand. He's yelling about custody. Janelle's lawyer gets him all worked up. He's screaming about David harassing him on Twitter. Like, he looks so flustered and sounds so drunk, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, the prosecution, at least from what we see, comes off really poorly. Then, we see Janelle get on the stand, and I've been waiting for this for longer than I knew, guys. Longer than I knew. Uh, Janelle tells us that she was making some ice water and basically gives this uh, side of the story, you know, where she believes that Jessica was going to attack her, Nate screaming at her, you'll never see your son again, blah, 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 blah. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention was Nate said that he hadn't seen Kaiser in eight months. At this point, Nate and Janelle did not have a custody order uh, yet. They were still waiting to go to mediation for custody. But Janelle is hysterically crying. I just want to be a good mom. They wanted to take my kid from me. This is all about custody. This is all about custody. Why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? And if I didn't know the history of Janelle and how much of a fucking liar she is, and I'm assuming they picked people from the jury that don't watch the show, I would believe her, especially compared to Nate and Jessica. Uh, Amy did a great job at making Janelle come off as a sympathetic mother who, and making Nate and Jessica come off as vengeful people that are just bringing this up, uh, to get custody of the kid. So Janelle gets a not guilty. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Nate looks confused as fuck. Jessica's doing an evil stare, and it was just a great first episode for Janelle. So finally, we see our girl, Leah. The first note I have for Leah is, ugh. Leah bothers me, guys. I have to say. I have a real problem with Leah. She has like 17 last names because she's been married twice. Uh, I believe her full name is Leah Messer Sims Calvert. I guess she's just Leah Messer now. So right off the bat, she's freaking out because the girls have to get to softball, uh, which Corey is coaching, which is, you know, really cute. And she can't find her keys. Um, she sounds high to me. Leah went to rehab last year. Leah had an extremely serious addiction to opiates, but it has never been acknowledged by her on the show. Uh, even the ex-husbands, Jeremy and Corey, called her out on this. Hold on, I need a sip of water. Guys, I just I just need some water after talking nonstop about my favorite show. So back to Leah being an opiate addict, who's been an opiate addict for many, many years. But the most it's ever been acknowledged on the show is the husbands, excuse me, the ex-husbands saying, you know, Leah and her pills, we hope she doesn't uh, get in trouble or drive with the kids. Hi. That's it, really. We've watched Leah not out while holding a baby. We've watched Leah drive around high as fuck with all three kids in the car. Uh, Leah has a serious problem with opiates. Probably just pills, but could be heroin. 
And she's never acknowledged it on TV. Which, here's my thing. No one needs to come out as a drug addict, right? It, it's a private affair. It's your business. But this kind of goes back to the Chelsea of it all. Is like, you're on TV. This is what you get paid to do. How are you going to present your life and leave out like the most significant thing that's ever happened in it? How are you going to go to fucking rehab and then say over and over again that it was just for depression and anxiety? Like, that's not true. We saw you on the goddamn show. We saw you high. And I think she is probably taking the maintenance medicine called Suboxone. But you know what? Like, if that's what she's doing and her life is better and she's not uh, doing pills or heroin, like, that's great. Um, Suboxone wasn't for me to get over my heroin addiction. I needed full abstinence and the 12 steps. But if, if it's working for Leah, who am I to say otherwise? She does seem, like, a little better. Uh, but I have to wonder if that is just her wearing makeup. <laughs> she looks very, very thin. Uh, thinner than she's ever looked. And Leah's having a meltdown. You know, like, she yells at the girls, whatever. Kids are fighting. That's fucking annoying. I'm not going to, like, discredit her for that. Uh, kids are annoying. But what I find interesting is that she keeps saying over and over again, this only happens when MTV is here. This only happens when MTV is here. Um, I don't believe you. I don't believe you, Leah. This always happens. I don't believe it only happens when MTV is here. Uh, she basically freaks the fuck out and, like, goes in the basement and is hysterically crying and so upset and then finds the keys and gets the girls to T-ball just a little late. Uh, it's just poor little Leah, you know? It's always poor little Leah. Leah's much like Chanel. Everything is everybody else's fault. This isn't her fault. She's been talking a lot about MTV editing online. Uh, a lot. A lot. She's been crying a lot about how this isn't her fault, how MTV makes her look bad, how she looks like a bad mother, but she's not a bad mother. Um, and I just don't buy her shit. I just don't buy it, guys. Um, so next we see her cousin Chastity, who spells her name, you know, like, incorrectly. She, Leah's going on and on. This never happens. Chastity looks like she's so sickly as shit. I've been noticing her family looks like she's so sick. They're so sickly as shit last year. And Leah says, this time last year I was in treatment, but still no acknowledgement of the drugs. Um, and Chastity kind of gives her, like, you're allowed to have a bad day, which is true. You know, like, Leah is allowed to have a bad day. Nobody's saying that. But I just don't buy for one second that this is just when MTV's here and she only has panic attacks and flips out when MTV is here. I just don't buy it, guys. Uh... Next, we see Jeremy, ex-husband number two, father of Adeline, or Addie as they call her. Uh, Jeremy lets Leah know that she's going to be going to South Dakota, or he's going to be going to South Dakota to work. Uh, Jeremy works on the pipelines and works out of town. He always has since before he's known Leah. And, <laughs> uh, oh, by the way, guys, when he was in South Carolina, he or excuse me, South Dakota, he went to Chelsea's house for a barbecue, and I really, really hope they show it on the show. Since they've broken the fourth wall, we'd be able to see them uh, interact with each other. He'll be gone for four months, and Leah's <laughs> like, we're going to have to FaceTime, and Jeremy says he doesn't have FaceTime. Do Androids not have FaceTime? Does he not have a smartphone? He did say he was going to download Skype, and the drop-off went, smooth went smoothly. Uh, at this point in my notes, that uh, we have not seen Allie use her wheelchair. Corey and Leah, your daughter needs to use her fucking wheelchair. The doctor has told you this. Why isn't she using her wheelchair? Um, it was broken for like two seasons because Leah let the girls play all over it and fucking broke the $35,000 wheelchair that they have. But Ellie's never in that goddamn thing and it upsets me. Um, I think they have done a really bad job accepting Allie has like a life-threatening disability. I understand it's hard and they want her just to be a normal kid. But the fact is she's not normal. Normal's not a nice word to use. She's not fully physically able to do the things that other kids are able to do. And the sooner, in my, you know, expert opinion, the sooner they get Allie to accept her wheelchair and get used to using it, 
I think the better it'll be for her. Uh, the doctor has said repeatedly, like, she has to use the wheelchair. She's never in that goddamn wheelchair, and it upsets me. It just upsets me. You know, she's very fragile. Last season, we saw her fall off a swing, which for every other kid is no big deal, and it happens. But for Allie, could result in her breaking her legs. She has muscular dystrophy, an extremely rare form of mus- muscular dystrophy that has literally never been diagnosed in a child before. Um which means it's progressing way faster than it normally does. And put Allie in the wheelchair, let her get used to it. It sucks. And I can't imagine how hard it is to have a child with a disability. But my personal opinion is the sooner they get her used to the wheelchair, the easier the transition will be. The older she gets, the harder it's going to be for her to transition to a wheelchair. It's going to be easier to have her in the wheelchair at seven than to have her at 11. Um, so yeah, there's my little rant on Allie and her wheelchair. It upsets me. You know, Corey and Miranda are great, but they also don't seem willing to make her use the wheelchair. So Leah's friend Kayla's here. I thought Kayla moved to Las Vegas, but I don't know. Maybe she's back in the holler. Uh, and Leah's bitching. Just so you guys know, Jeremy pays Leah something like $1,500 a month in child support for one kid, uh, which in the grand scheme of raising your kid is not an extreme amount of money, right? Like, it's $15,000 a year. Kids are fucking expensive. I'm sure he also pays for health insurance. But this has always been a weird thing about Leah is that she wants Jeremy to have money and be able to give her money for child support and things like that, but she doesn't want Jeremy to work. Like, she's bitching that he's going to be gone for four months. It's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. Leah, this is how he makes money. This is how he made money before he knew you. What do you want him to do? I don't understand. I've never understood this about Leah. Is that she wants Jeremy's child support, but she doesn't want him to go work the pipelines. We get to a drop-off. MTV's playing tense music. Uh, (laughs) By the way, Leah's whole fucking storyline is her doing drop-offs with Corey or Jeremy, right? Like, her whole storyline. Her whole storyline is just her doing drop-offs in weird turnpike locations. Like that, or hanging out with her friends at her house. Does she do anything else? Well, now I know via Snapchat that she has multi-level marketing, which is just like, ugh, poor girl. She's she's being scammed. But, so we're at the drop-off. Leah's getting little Addie back and (laughs) Leah's talking to Jeremy about how sad Addie is because she'll miss daddy. Okay, first of all, Addie is like three, maybe four. Addie doesn't give a fuck. Addie doesn't care. She doesn't even understand the concept of a day. Leah's sitting there crying, basically. Addie, he's going to be gone for four months. Addie's like, what's a goddamn month, mom? I don't, fa- what the fuck is a month? Addie doesn't know. Leah is projecting so much onto this poor little kid. Uh, <laughs> the last scene is like, um, Addie just like munching on food as Leah's like, baby, this is going to be so sad. It's going to be so sad, baby. Addie doesn't give a fuck. Uh, Leah does this a lot. She did it with the girls and Corey and projected her shit with their dad into the relationship. And now she's doing it with Adeline. And it's fucked up. It's fucked up. Like, don't make this harder. Like, Addie will talk to dad on Skype. She'll miss him, I'm sure. She'll say, where's dad? And you'll say at work and she'll say, okay. Because she's four and she doesn't have concept of time. It, it's just so, it's sad. It's sad. So, yeah, that about wraps up uh, today in Team Mom episode one. Team Mom two episode one, I should say. Uh, oh, I just wanted to let you guys know that in Team Mom news today, Janelle and Nate went to mediation and Nate only has supervised visits. So what they had before was <laughs> Nate was allowed to see Kaiser three weekends of the month, I believe the first, second and fourth weekend. And apparently he hadn't picked up Nate or he hadn't picked up Kai in months. Uh, Back in, I believe, August, Nathan was arrested for breaking into Jessica, the same Jessica from this episode, into her house and strangling her while she slept. I I, like 
just let that sink in. It's absolutely terrifying, guys. Um, There's actually studies that show that strangulation is like the most dangerous abuse for a victim to face because if an abuser is willing to strangle, that means they're much more likely to kill their victim. Um, It's scary. It's really, really scary. But so that happened. Janelle apparently like kind of flipped out. But Nate, this happened because Nate's been drinking again, right? So about a month ago, maybe less than a month ago, Nate was arrested again for breaking into Jessica's house again and strangling her again. I saw the tweets and I was like, wait, what? Like this already happened. Two times in less than four months, he was arrested for strangling Jessica. Um, guys, that's scary. And I fucking, like, hate Janelle. And she's a terrible mother to Kaiser. And I'm very scared of David. But uh, there's no way Kaiser can be with Nathan. Nate is, like, such an alcoholic. And he's so in the grips of it. And he's doing really, really dangerous things. And apparently they went to mediation today in the the courts agreed and Nathan was sobbing saying he'll do anything so he can see his son. Um, Nate's been sending erratic texts to Jan- uh, to David, which were obviously leaked by Janelle and David on Mr. Real Housewife, um, saying like, I can't be around Kaiser right now. I'm too dangerous. It's just, it's a really sad, fucked up situation, but it, it kind of gives like credence to the fact that Jessica was probably only pursuing these charges that we saw tonight because of Nate and because he wanted her to. Maybe because she was a domestic violence victim and just doing what he said. So, yeah, I'll leave you with that wonderful news. Um, This was great. I had so much fun. I hope you guys enjoyed. Follow me on Twitter. My username is at Bent underscore Lee, which is at B-E-N-T underscore L-E-Y. Find me on Twitter, find me on the team, or excuse me, find me on the Psychos uh, Facebook group. Thank you guys for tuning in. I'll talk to you next week. Love you. Bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psychos Patreon exclusive. Executive producers, Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthew. Head on over to the Emotionally Broken Psycho Patreon page for more rewards. And find us on Facebook at Emotionally Broken Psychos.